Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. to an attorney prior to and during any question. You can't afford one to court appoint one for you. You understand your rights? Your crime spree was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked. But Detective Overtone made you chill and turn to shit. <laughs> This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that are of a sexual nature. It should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. The facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My description of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Today... I'm going to be continuing with part two of a series I call Monsters. Stay tuned at the end of the episode for some announcements. I'm just going to get right into it. If you hadn't heard the first edition of Monsters, go back and listen to it. But last week, I left y'all 
at the, we were starting to work the crime scene. We were inside the residence, Louisiana State Police Crime Lab technicians that got there. They brought in all their stuff and we're standing there. And I, I'd just gone to the fireplace and seen a condom wrapper partially burned, a Trojan condom wrapper partially burned. And they're putting on their booties and giving us booties and gloves and everything else. And it's it's just Calvin, Ballard, and I. And then I told you there's there's a large crowd gathered outside now, and we had already done the interview with the victim's daughter. The victim is an 82 year old white female who's deceased, laying in the hallway, half in and half out of the doorway to a bedroom in the hallway in the house. And it's the most horrific crime scene I've ever seen. And now. I'm going to walk you through the crime scene as we process it. I'm going to give you another warning. I am not telling you what I'm about to tell you to sensationalize anything. I have to tell you this about the brutality of it because you need to understand the evil that happened. My heart goes out to the family to this day. And it's it's now been it's been fourteen years since this happened to the this, this past week, okay? And so I'm gonna continue. We suit up, glove up, and everything, and start to process the scene. Well, the first thing you're gonna do is you're going to photograph everything. And I always say we photograph everything like you're working a homicide, right? Even the, if I'm going to look at a house to buy, right? I, and I want pictures for later on. I take the pictures from every single angle, every single corner, every single, everything. Every angle, thousands of pictures. Every single view that you think you could have of everything that's in that residence. You do it because you only get one shot at it, y'all. Also, they do video now, right? But you only get one shot at it. So in so many cases, there are things that you go back afterwards that you get more information on, that you go back and you you want to look through your pictures or the video and, and see, you know, you, you find something that you didn't see before, right? You, that you recognize an, a piece of evidence or a picture that you took that's, vastly important to the case that you didn't know before you got more information as you're conducting an investigation. So first thing is you got to photograph everything. So I'm walking with the crime lab technician as he's photographing. And and we actually went to what would be the rear door of the residence. Now, let me explain that to you. If you're coming in from the back door, you walk into the door, you walk into the back door, that's where we start. It opens inward to the right, and you walk into what I call a mud room in South Louisiana. We call them a mud room. That would be the room where you come in and you, you have your washer and your dryer and your laundry and stuff like that. You can hang your coats. Well, we call it a mud room. Like if you've been out hunting, you take off your muddy boots and your muddy clothes. When I was a kid, we, you know, we come in the mud room, and a lot of times my mama would make, take us outside and 
make a strip naked and hoses down with the hose because we'd be covered in mud from the head to the toe. But anyways, call it a mud room. So we walk in to the mud room, start to photograph it, and one of the things I notice on the floor is broken glass in in the mud room. And well, where does it come from? What type of glass is it? You look up and the light fixture that was over the mudroom. Actually, we tried to turn on the light and didn't turn on, and the light fixture was busted out, and the light bulb was busted out. And I thought, well, that's, kind of, that's really kind of strange, right? I don't know. You know, a lot of times in cases, people will bust out lights so they can hide uh, before they attack their victims, et cetera. But anyway, filing it away. Broken glass, photograph it all, photograph the broken light, and then we start to proceed into the house you come immediately into the kitchen. The refrigerator's right there to your right. You know, you got your sink and, and all that and, uh, and the table area, et cetera. And now there's blood drops, y'all. Fat blood drops, not blood splatter. Kind of spread out, you know. And then they're not like, not like the person was standing in one spot bleeding as if the person had to walk through at least once, maybe several times. And so we're following the blood trail, photographing through, and then you, you get to the end of the kitchen and you make that right. And that's the opening that I told you to open up onto the living room and that long hallway that ran the length of the house. And when you make that right and you're looking that away, the front door would have been on your left-hand side. You can see the, the victim laying in the hallway where I told you about and you got the living room. Well, we take a ride into the living room, and I told them about the condom in the the fireplace. They take a picture of that, and then we start to photograph the living room. Well, there's a coffee table in front of the couch on the coffee table. And I didn't tell you about this last week, although I did see it. I forgot to tell you. On the coffee table is what appeared to be powdered cocaine, okay, in what I call at least an eight ball, an eighth of an ounce of cocaine in a opened up uh, like a plastic baggie. And there was actually a couple of lines on the table that had been cut out. Lines, y'all, when generally when people snore cocaine, they pour it out and they cut it up with a credit card or a razor blade, whatever, and they make it a line. And then they snort it through a straw or just put their nose to it and snort it up. So now we have cocaine on the table in the living room. All right, so we're photographing that. And, uh, oh, the gun cabinet I told you about, it was empty. The door was open on it. It was a tall, most gun cabinets are tall, right, because of the height of rifles and shotguns. But it was a light wood color glass front gun cabinet, and it held, I don't don't know, 8 to 12 guns, I'm guessing, rifles. Uh, They had slots for it. But it was open, and the bottom underneath had like a um, a drawer section where you keep all your ammo and stuff and gun cleaning stuff, and that was open also. Guess what? No guns. Zero. And not a lot of ammunition. There was some ammunition that was left, but not a lot. So it looked like all the guns had been taken, and the majority of the ammunition had been taken from the gun cabinet. And guess what? There was some blood there also. So now, but we're not sampling yet. We're taking samples yet. We're just photographing everything. 
So then we start to proceed down the hallway. I showed them the bathroom on the right. The bag of ice is still in the sink, still got ice in it, still got blood drops in the bathroom. Photograph it all. Begin to proceed down the hallway further. And now, and now this is where the, the lake of blood is, if you will, before we get to the victim. And they're taking detailed photographs of the, the footprints and the shoe prints that are, and some of them were mine. Some of them obviously were the victim's daughter, but obviously there were more than that. But now it's it's kind of all messed up, but they take it in, in, in the close-ups, and it's a real tedious process. You don't get in a rush. I mean, this takes that a long time. And so photographing every single drop of blood, every footprint, every whatever. As we get closer to the victim's body, the blood spatter, and I told you about that last week, blood spatter was on both sides of the hallway, the walls. It was on the roof of the hallway above the victim. And the crime lab tech was like, damn. And I said, I know, right? I mean, so... If if you get shot one time and I told you the bullet goes in, the slower blood comes out, faster blood comes out, hits it, you're going to have that one blood splatter. Real life, real crime. Murder in House 2 is a true crime podcast like you've never heard before. It's about mass murder, but so much more. It's about cover-ups, the fog of war, and one man's fight for justice. It took U.S. film director Michael Epstein 10 years to make as he searches for the truth behind the Haditha massacre in Iraq back in 2005. 24 unarmed Iraqi civilians, including women, the elderly, and young children were shot multiple times by a group of U.S. Marines. Epstein recorded hundreds of hours of privileged conversations, including a site visit to the crime scene with the Marine charged with 18 counts of murder. Search for Murder in the House 2 on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You'll see video, photographs, and interviews. Then you'll definitely want to hear the podcast. It is the number one true crime podcast in the UK made by an American about the U.S. military. So why is it number one over here? There's a lot of great true crime podcasts out there, y'all. But Murder in the House 2 really takes you inside places I don't think the U.S. military wants you to go. I, I don't think this, you know, they ever want to give themselves a black eye, but unfortunately there's good and bad in every profession. This massacre is horrible. I mean, kids, old people, women getting murdered. Anyway, you really need to check it out. There's no spoilers here, but it's a story that those at the very top of the military and government do not want telling. It is the number one true crime podcast in the UK made by an American about the U.S. military. I found it super interesting. I'm a, I'm a veteran, and I, uh, it's just tough, y'all. You got to go listen. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart, but if you're a true crime podcast fan, go or listen to Murder in the House, too. It is certainly worth listening to. We had multiple blood splatters all over the walls from different angles. Different angles, which means there's many, many different wounds. Okay? 
get to the victim and I told you that her nightgown was pushed up, panties were down, possible rape, but it's all got to be photographed. But one thing I noticed was that the large amount of blood there was, there was not much blood splatter on the backside. Or, okay, if you fold a nightgown up, there wasn't much blood splatter on the back side of the nightgown. There also wasn't much, if any, blood on the underwear that were pulled down. Okay? That tells me something. What does it tell me? It tells me more than likely the nightgown was pushed up and the panties were pulled down after all the damage had been done to the victim. Otherwise, there would have been blood splatter on in those locations also. There were some drops, and that's to be duly noted, but no blood splatter. So I'm thinking this is probably done after the victim was already dead. So we're at the victim, and this is going to be hard to hear. And it's not to sensationalize this because you need to know. The victim was face down. And she, her head, I don't know how else to describe it. Her head was so severely beaten, so severely damaged. It was like nothing I'd ever seen. And I'm not talking about from a gunshot wound. I'm talking about tears in her head and then through her hair and in her skull. You could see skull all over her head. I mean, there was tears where it was down to the bone. You could see the white of her skull. Too many to count. Too many blows to the head to count. She didn't even look like a human being. It didn't look like a human head. So we're photographing it, and you don't really talk at other than in, in some of the blood around her head, I noticed two things. Now, her head was more in the doorway, y'all, into the bedroom. And there was a lo- her lower end of her body that was more out into the hallway. And there's broken glass. Two different types of broken glass. One appeared to be a vase. It was like, I think it was like white, and it had, if it had been intact, you'd be, it had like a, maybe a painted on flower design, if you will, but it's in, I mean, it's heavy vase. I mean, it's not like a, a, a single flower vase. It was a, it was a big heavy vase, but it was broken. And it, if you hit somebody with that, it would do some damage, but you would, you would really have to hit them hard and numerous times to break that thing because it was thick. It wasn't, it wasn't a thin wall, cheap vase, but it was busted. And glass was scattered, part into the bedroom, part some in the hallway, not much in the hallway, more into the bedroom where her head was, but it was there. And then I noticed a Coke bottle, an old-timey Coke bottle, okay? Now, when I was a boy and you grew up, 
you went to a vending machine, you got, they didn't have, I don't know if they, if they even had canned Cokes when I was a kid, but they, they served it in these thick glass bottles. All right. This was a broken, thick, thick glass Coke bottle. And younger generation, go look it up. Go look up old Coke bottles. And these are the ones that you could use to trade. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? <laughs> I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year there, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. In when I was a kid, you could collect them and trade them in for like a, a, a nickel at the store because they reused them before recycling was cool, I guess. And that was there also. Now, it wasn't shattered as much as the, as the vase was, but it was there, and it had blood on it. And look, if you hit somebody with a woman, an old-school Coke bottle, it's really going to do some damage. Go into that bedroom, her walker, the, the victim, 82-year-old, could not walk without the assistance of a walker, okay? Her walker was, when you walk into the bedroom, it's a small bedroom. You actually had to step over her in the doorway. You turn to the left, her walker was down beside the, the bed, and then there was an, a, uh, a nightstand and a full-size bed. And then you turn to your right. I think there was a, there was a TV, a small TV. 
in than like like shelving more like knickknacks were is what I call them. And on that shelf was an overturned thing. I think there were like an LSU collector, might have been from the national championship, the, the old Coke bottle, like a six pack, and it was turned over. And one of them obviously was out of it, and that was the one that was on the floor. And there was some blood there. And, it, and it's just is is a just a fucked up scene. And the, the the there's so much blood on the walls, on the roof, and oh, there was, the phone was uh, was ripped out uh, and and on the floor also. Evidently, the victim had a phone in her room. And y'all, it's just so much blood. And I'm not talking about the lake of blood in the hallway now. I'm talking about the blood splatter and and then drops mixed in, right? And so photograph that. I have to step back over her. And then when, when on, upon closer inspection on the floor, we saw some 22 caliber bullets, okay? There were a couple that were not shot meaning they were just loose bullets on the floor. Now, they were twenty two caliber shorts. There was a spent casing of a twenty two caliber long found in the hallway. Spent meaning it had been fired. Filed away. We'll get to it sooner or later. But but you looked at you looked at the victim and the and the damage done her head, you I couldn't see a bullet hole. I mean, you couldn't see anything. I mean, but anyway, that keep that in your mind. Some twenty-two caliber shorts that were not fired, then a twenty-two caliber long that was. Proceeding down the hall, the you know the blood splatter continue goes down the hall, but as, as the further it gets away from the body, the thinner the lines of the blood get that are on the wall and stuff, right? But it was in all directions. You know, we keep film, filming and shooting down the hall and then turn into the master bedroom and we get into the single fat drops I told you about and, and film the whole, shoot the whole bedroom and go into that bathroom and there's blood drops, fat drops in the bathroom and in that bathroom sink, all photographed. Very important. And we get done photographing the whole house. Well, the next step is evidence collection. Okay. And then during this time, you don't let anybody else in. And then we're suited up properly and everything else. But Stan came to the door and he said, man, this there's this one female out there and she's she's really carrying on. Real lies, real crime. Y'all, these are hard and trying times. Yeah, but you shouldn't put off seeing a doctor when you need one, especially now, right? That's why I use Plush Care. They make seeing a doctor so easy, and I do it right from home. I make a virtual doctor appointment through my smartphone or my computer. With Plush Care, I can be diagnosed, treated, and even have a prescription sent to my pharmacy of choice if needed within minutes. Plush Care accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states and the doctors care. Plush Care doctors are available to help. Schedule an appointment today to discuss your treatment options. And y'all, again, especially now, who wants to go sit in a doctor room office when it you know, could be full of COVID or who knows who's sick and who's been there. 
I did it recently. I've done it. It was quick, easy on my time. I, I got to do it from my own home, and I didn't have to worry about putting myself or anyone else at risk. With Plush Care, I don't put off seeing a doctor, and neither should you. No more excuses. Make your appointment today. Go to plushcare.com slash R-L-R-C. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash R-L-R-C. Plushcare.com slash R-L-R-C. She's screaming about some blacks must have did this and it's over drugs and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, obviously, we'll get her statement, right, Stan? I said, you know, I said, I'd like to get it ourselves so we can have we said. And I said, just let her go for a little, you know, we got to work this scene, right? And so they start back the same way we photographed it at the back door. Come in. Oh, yeah, when you're photographing it, like the bullet casings and, and the different blood drops, et cetera, they're dropping the, the little yellow cards on it, right, with numbers on it. So it's potential evidence, but at least it's being cataloged in the photographs. You don't just go in and you know photograph it and, and without marking it. And on certain things, you take a tape measure and you put it in, or a ruler, not a tape measure, a ruler, and you put that into the photograph so you can, it can give you a dimensional size. They can go back later on and tell whatever it is you're photographing, how long or how big it was, and they can figure that out. So anyway, we go back in evidence collection part now. The first thing that they want to do is go through and get a sample of all the blood, different samples of all the blood. Why? Because it appears there's going to be, whoever did this, there's going to be their blood throughout the house, right? The fat drops I've been telling you about, probably from them damaging their hands when they beat the victim and broke the the vase and stuff. You, you know, you break that, you're going to get cut. Why do I know or suspect it's not the victim's fat blood drops in the back bathroom or on the bag of ice in the front bathroom or on the back door and, and you know, it's, it's hell is, it's a blood trail for lack of a better word, because first of all, she had to use a walker and certainly she didn't, we can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt at this time, but certainly she didn't unload the gun cabinet by herself. Certainly she didn't put a bag of ice in that front bathroom and, you know, then go to the back bathroom. I mean, I guess she could have, but the chances are slim. So we're testing everything for DNA blood samples, and it took forever. Why? Because there's just so much blood, just so much blood. And so and we're talking about hours, y'all, that have gone by, and we're working, and we're working diligently. And they're going through, and they take all the DNA samples. They take the condom wrapper. We end up taking the cocaine. And they, we did a uh, what we call a field test on the cocaine. They take a small amount, and they put it in one of these little containers. I forget what they call them now. I used to use them all the time. And anyway, you you open this field drug testing kit is what it's called. I, I forget the exact nomenclature. But what it is is it's a little plastic container 
pouch that has three vials on the inside of it. You open the pouch from the top, you put a small amount of the suspected narcotics in it, then you break the vials. The glass vials are inside, contain liquids, chemical reagents, and you break them from left to right. You break one and you have to shake it for a second. You break the second one, you shake it for however long, and break the third and shake it for how long. At the end of the, when you're shaking it, if it turns a certain color, it's, it is whatever drug it indicates. And it, it came up bright blue, positive for cocaine. So then you got to collect the cocaine and, and put it in evidence. And, and in my help, we're not even near the body yet, right? Then the DNA out the bag of ice and out of the bathrooms. And then you got to collect the broken vase and the Coke bottle. And uh, you got to collect the shell casing that was spent. You got to collect the bullets that weren't weren't fired. I mean, it's just everything, okay? But we did, and it, it takes hours and hours and to be done correctly. And guess what? You're not ever going to rush it. It's a homicide, right? And then it's the worst that you've ever seen. And then collect all the evidence and everything. You know the DNA is good and all that. And then the crime lab is... When they say, okay, we're done, let's let's get the coroner in and do the body. Now, we haven't turned her over or anything at this point, so we could bring the coroner in, and he has, you know, put on his stuff. He put on the booties and stuff more to protect his boots, I think, than anything, and the coarse gloves. And we go down to where the body is and roll her over in... The front side of her face is just, it's just not there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it just doesn't look like a human head. And she had white, white hair, white, gray hair. And, but it was all red and just absolutely destroyed. Didn't, didn't look like a human. <sighs> So they bag her hands, put paper bag, the technicians did. They bagged her hands. I probably forgot to tell you about that. You take the hand and you put it into a paper bag and you, then you tape off the paper bag closed. Why do you do that? In case she fought her attacker, attackers, and has DNA underneath her fingernails, that's going to come out of the autopsy. So you don't want to lose any evidence. I mean, she may have hairs in, in her hand. We don't know. You don't want to lose any of that evidence. Her, her hands have to be bagged. She's in lividity by this time, meaning the body was, you know, was stiff, and, and that's all important. Uh, the, the body temperature was taken, uh, all that is important to establish some time of death and uh, try to establish time of death. And... We end up putting her in a body bag, sealing it, and then putting on the lock on the body bag, which has a a number on it, and that's to establish the chain of custody. You you photograph that right there, and before she's given to the coroner or taken in, we used uh, Seal's funeral home at the time. That's where the autopsies were done. And they, they would actually send out two of their guys 
with the stretcher to put the body on, the body bag on when once we were done. But anyway, so tag and bag, for lack of a better term, it, uh, bag and tag. She's bagged. You tag it. You are established in the chain of custody that everything that's on her body or her hands are wrapped up or it's in her head or whatever it may be is inside of that bag and it will not be open until the autopsy. And that's when you match the coroner, not the coroner, the forensic pathologist matches your photograph from the crime scene of the same lock, et cetera. It's established in a chain of custody. It's got to go in this report because the de- a defense attorney, you know, can have everything thrown out if the chain of custody is not there. Evidence is everything in a case like this. So we get her bagged and tagged and, and then uh, have seals come to the door. We, we carry her down the hall, put her on the, the uh, stretcher. They cover it up. Now, remember, the family's still outside, right? And cover up. And they take her to Seal's funeral home in Denham Springs. And behind the funeral home is where they they kept the bodies in the refrigerated things like you see in the movies, the steel things where the doors open up and they put them on the trays. God, it sounds so cold, right? But it's what it is, trays. And they put them on trays and they, and they put them back in the cooler until we can get the autopsy scheduled. Got the autopsy scheduled for... I think it was going to be the day after that. But anyway, so we get her out now. She's gone. And and then we meet back. And Stan was like, you know, you got to go out and interview those girls. I said, absolutely, we're going to do that. So let's go do it now. So Calvin and I go out. I mean, it's just surreal. It's, it's, it's a bad scene. I mean, this lady, 82-year-old lady, spent her whole life helping kids. Everybody loved her. She's got... Everybody loved her. And so, so many people out there, the emotions are so high. But Stan told me which one it was that was doing this extra carrying on. And we, Calvin and I approached her first. And I'm going to tell the names later on, y'all. Calvin and I approached her first. And I said, I said, you are, he said, that, that was my, that's my grandmother. That's my grandmother that got killed. I said, okay. I said, I need, we need to get a statement from you. Now, let me describe her to you. She's a white female probably close to 40, real disheveled-looking, real, real unkempt. Yeah, I'm not saying this to be ugly. I'm just telling you what I've observed. She, I'm not going to be ugly, but she, she was long, kind of a dirty, blonde, real dirty, blonde, if not brown hair, uh, real disheveled looking, just not well put together, if you will. Real life, real crime. There's almost always a rise of break-ins during the holidays. That's why Simply Safe Home Security is having a huge holiday sale. 30% off any Simply Safe system and a free security camera. Recently, U.S. News and World Report called it the best home security of 2020. So whether you're traveling or staying put for the holidays, check out the 30% off plus the free security camera deal before it ends this week. Y'all, I have the system in my house. The camera footage is amazing. It's easy to set up, easy to run, easy to play back. Check it out. It won CNET Editor's Choice for Home Security and was named Best of 2020 by Forbes and Popular Mechanics. 
The system has an arsenal of sensors and cameras to protect every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. It's super easy. Then simply say security specialists take over, monitoring your home around the clock and ready to send emergency help the moment there's an alarm. Get 30% off Simply Safe plus a free security camera today by visiting simplysafe.com slash RLRC. Hurry, this deal expires on Friday. That's simplysafe.com slash RLRC. Simplysafe.com slash RLRC. Almost, she was all frantic and stuff. And to me, she almost appeared to be under the influence of something. Now, by this time, we've been there like five hours or, or more. And she's been out there the whole time, too. And I get it. Her grandmother has been brutally murdered. And she's been out there with her mama and her sister the entire time. And so we get her in my truck and introduce ourselves and uh, don't have to advise her. Right? So I don't know anything about anything at this point. And that's the truth. And just get her name, get where she lives. And she's going on and on. And she wouldn't shut up about you know, interrupting us about oh, these, and she's using N words. These must have did it, and, and he's using drugs, and da da I was like, oh, 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 and just, you know, settle down. Look, we need your help. You know, playing her a little bit, and, and needs your help, and uh, you got to tell us everything you know. You got to paint it for me like a, a, a movie. I mean, act like I know nothing at all, et cetera. I said, who are you talking about? Who would be in this house? that would have drugs that that would owe money to black drug dealers that would, would come in here and kill your grandmother. Because that's what she kept saying. And she said the guy's name. She said, that's my stepdad. And I said, okay. And I said, has he ever showed up to Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Night, and she said, "She said no, he's not here, and, and we've been trying to call him, and we don't know where he's at, and he should have been here, and that's why I know that they they probably got him too, and and killed my grandmother." I sorry. I said, "Well, you, you can tell me about him. What makes you think he he uses drugs?" She said, "He used to use it a long time ago. I'm just guessing that." He must have started again. I'm just guessing. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, some motherfucker in, in, in my mind, right? And Calvin and I can read each other. I know he's thinking the same thing. You just don't start out guessing that. And and the victim's daughter, the wife of this girl's, this girl's mother's husband, and, and I mean, this girl's mama, the the. The daughter of the deceased is the one that told us he did have a drug problem many, many years ago, but not 
anytime recent and the great job and career, blah, blah, blah. So I asked, when was the last time you saw him? And she said, oh, I don't know, a couple of days ago uh, or whatever she told me. And I said, I said, so you didn't see him today? She said, absolutely not. I said, okay, where were you today? And she said, I was at home. I said, by yourself? And she said, yeah, I was by myself. And she was married. And I said, your husband wasn't home. She said, no, I was home by myself. And then I said, you haven't seen him? She said, no. And I said, and you tried to call him. And she said, I can't get in touch with him. And I, and I, I know it. I know that son of a bitch had, had drugs and owed, owed these black guys money. And they did this, blah, blah, blah. And she wasn't saying black guys. And she's going on and on. You know what? Just locked her into her statement, basically, right? To the point where we were done with her. I knew, I felt personally something wasn't quite right, but I don't know. It's, it's beginning an investigation. People act differently under grief, right? So we get let, let her out, and there was another granddaughter that was there. If you put the two side by side, exact opposites. This girl, and I call her girl, this young lady, was very well put together. Her hair was, you know, I mean, I guess you said immaculate, but it was, her hair was brushed, and she was, you know, very, very uh, pretty. And her husband was there with her, and her husband was a Baton Rouge City police officer. And and I told him, I said, look, we got to talk to her. And he said, I get it, I understand. And get her in the truck, and she, of course, she was at home at, at, or at work that day, and she also tried to call the, um, the stepdad and couldn't get in touch with them. She knew he had an, a narcotics problem in the past, but certainly not at any time. And they're, they're knowing them, right? He'd been clean, works the same job, et cetera, et cetera. So get out. Y'all, this is all going on, and, and we're conducting these interviews. And the guy's biological son shows up that he actually worked with at the company. And we get him in and interview him and start talking to him and, and said, hey, you know, she's, the victim is dead. And he's like, I can't believe that. I just can't believe it. And and I said, and I understand your dad, you know, lives here. And he said, yeah, yeah. And, and I said, I understand that he works with you. And of course, y'all, Calvin's asking questions too. And we're playing off each other. And uh, understanding he works with you, and yeah, at our company. And, you know, I said, was he at work today? And he said, he came in for a few minutes, but he left way early. I said, all right. I said, what does he drive? He said, he drives a company truck, a maroon, I think it was a GMC, extended cab. I said, so he doesn't own the truck. He said, absolutely not. And he said, and on top of that, he he was supposed to, I think he was supposed to go make a bank deposit. I said, how much? He said, like $3,500 that he had access to. And he said, I can't get in touch with him. He said, I've been trying to call him all night and go straight to voicemail. I'm like, all right. And I said, you know, the name of your company. He said, I said, or the other people saw him come in today and leave early. He said, yes. I said, you mind if we send somebody out there tomorrow to talk to him? He said, no. He's, I said, do you have any reason to believe that your father was using narcotics? He said, absolutely not. He said, I, he had a problem with it in the past. He said, but if he's been using it again, he's been keeping it from me. And he said, I wouldn't put up with it. He said, my father's a Christian man. 
He goes to church. He testifies about his fight with narcotics and his demons and everything else. And he said, I just don't believe it. And I said, well, look, you know, we got this information. I said, I'm really got to get with you on, you know, a lot of stuff, y'all. And I was thinking in my mind, does he have a company credit card? Does he have, you know, what? how does he get his money? We don't have a suspect yet, but it's certainly strange this dude isn't here. By now, it's like probably 2 o'clock in the morning or later. I don't know. It's been a long time. And we talked to him and ended up releasing him from the initial interview. And we met back with Stan and everything and told him, said, look, man, I said, obviously, this dude is missing. He's had a narcotics problem in the past, cocaine specifically. And we got the coke in the house and, you know, we just got to work it right. And I said, we got to start somewhere. We got to start with him. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right, but you can't discount the, you know, the drug dealer with the, I said, look, we can't discount anything. Everybody's a suspect except for us. And, and meanwhile, we're standing there talking. And the daughter of the victim, the first one we interviewed, comes up and says, says, I think they're like her granddaughter, her granddaughter. Or they there were a lot of orphan children, y'all, that were involved in the story that I may tell you about or may not or whatever, and they all considered this the victim to be their grandmother, what have you. And she said, she said, this girl just got here, and she had to drive in from North Mississippi, and she's got information on him, talking about her husband that was missing. I said, all right. So Calvin and I go up and introduce herself, said, hey, can you come in the truck and talk to us? And so she did, and she gets in there told her names, told us where she lived in, in northern middle part of Mississippi. And I said, you, you, I understand you have some information on him. And she said, I do. She said, it just totally freaked me out. And I said, what is it? And she said, I stopped. Yeah, I think it was Brookhaven, Mississippi. It's either Brookhaven or Macomb. But I, I'll tell you about both of them. They're not 15 miles apart. And if you go to... If you come into Livingston Parish on Interstate 12, or say, let's say you leave in Livingston Parish on Interstate 12, you go east until you hit I-55, I-55, and that runs north all the way from the Mississippi line all the way down to where it hits Interstate 10, and you take a left and go to New Orleans. So she said, anyway, you, you would take I-55, into Mississippi, you 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 know you pass now Louisiana, you go through Kentwood, and then you come into whatever small town in Mississippi, and then another one in the town. You know, there's a couple bigger ones, and they are Macomb and then, then uh, Brookhaven. But regardless, she said she got the phone call about the victim, who's her great grandmother or whatever, and she was like, "Holy hell!" And and I mean, you know, she loves the lady, right? And she's coming. She's family. She said, I had to load up. I had to bring my kids or whomever somewhere. It's in the middle of the night now. She said, I had to load up. I had to stop at Walmart to get something to drink or I don't remember what it was. Maybe some cigarettes. I don't remember. But that was the only thing that was open that time of night in that small of a town was the Walmart. She says, I go, I'm getting out of my vehicle. I'm going to walk in the door of Walmart. And I see him coming out. 
and he's carrying some bags of groceries. And she stopped and she said, it freaked me the fuck out. She's like, what are you doing here? She said, don't, don't you know? Don't you know? And I'm not going to say the victim's name, uh, what they called her. She said, don't you know she's, she's dead? She's been brutally murdered? And then he looks at her and he said, yeah, yeah, I heard. I heard. I'm, I'm heading that way right now. I'm heading that way right now. She said, well, what are you doing in Mississippi? He said, oh, I was up here for work, but I'm headed that way right now. Uh, I, I'm, I'm headed straight there. And 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 he, she said he was really, like, not strung out, but, like, really amped up. And then he took off, and he got into that maroon truck and drove off. And she said it freaked her that out, right? And then, and so she just left, and she ends up coming there, and she, you know, gets there, and we're interviewing her. And I said, what time was it? And she told me when she was at the Walmart. And so we thanked her, and let her go, got her phone number in case we need to contact her again. But we got her statement that she sees him in Mississippi. Now, this is like, this is like, shit, three hours from where the victim is? Let's see, I'm, I'm an hour, at least two and a half, three hours from where the victim is. And he's coming out of Walmart in the middle of the night carrying grocery bags. So we ended up interviewing everybody else or whatever. It's, it's like four or five o'clock in the morning, we had hold our last detective meeting us to stand. I said, we got to get to Walmart. We got to pull a video. We got to find out what time he got there. We got to see if we can see any injuries on him. We got to see what he bought. He said, I agree. He said, I agree. I said, look, I'm I'm white. He said, I'm going to get the day shift guy come on, run over there, uh, give it the manager and pull a video, go, you and Calvin go get a couple hours sleep and then meet me back at the office like in maybe two hours. He said, sleep fast, Hoss. I said, all right. So go home, go back up. Uh, I didn't sleep for an hour probably. And showered, fresh clothes, go back to the office. And they're there. And I forget who it was. It may have been Kim McMorris. I went and pulled the video. And they had, sure enough, sure shit. And the Walmart cooperated without a warrant. They told them what we were looking at. And not only did they give us the video, but they gave us the receipt, copy of the receipt of what he bought. In the video, this dude, I'm describing for you, he's probably 5'11", maybe 280 pounds, fat, big, thick glasses, probably late 40s, and he's just a slob, and he's in a shirt, like a T-shirt with a pocket thing on the front and, and some jeans and whatever. And he's just fucking strolling through Walmart and, you know, getting things off the shelves. But at one point, he went to the women's section, women's underwear section, and and he picked something out of there. Then he he, he went all the way through the store. He went, I mean, shit, he shopping like it's a Sunday and he's got all the time in the world. He went to the fruits and vegetables section and got a couple items. And so I'm looking at the receipt while we're watching the video. And receipt shows some normal things like some toiletries, you know, uh, toothbrush, toothpaste, some deodorant. And but shit, it got to the women's section. He bought a pair or I guess you call them a set. I'm not a lingerie guy, but he bought, I guess I'm going to call it a set, a set of women's underwear, 
I think they were like fake silk and like a shiny, dark blue. But I, I forget how this list on receipts, but it was like size jumbo. And, and I don't know women's clothing sizes, but I, I, the manager's store said that, that what he bought was the largest size that they had. And then he went, when he was in the food section, he bought different food items. But when we went, I could understand everything he bought. And even grapes, he bought some grapes, right? Because you can put grapes in a cooler and and eat them as you're driving down the road. But he bought some large yellow squash, squash, the vegetable. And I'm thinking, and I told Calvin, I said, what the fuck? I mean, I, I can understand, I don't understand the women's underwear unless he, he's got a girlfriend somewhere, right? And I said, but the squash? Calvin said, I don't know, man. He said, I don't know. He never showed up that night, by the way, after the witness put him in the Walmart and she was right. It was him. We we printed out the picture from the Walmart, showed somebody, another detective took it to one of the family members. They said, yeah, that's him. We knew it was him anyway. We had pulled his driver's license and all that. Um, but he was positively identified as being him. But he, the things that stick out from the receipt for me at the Walmart are the women's bra and panties, but it was like a set thing, more like a lingerie thing. And then the big squash. Figure it out. And I'm going to conclude it for this week on Monsters. You have no idea where this story is going. We're almost another hour in, and I'm going to leave it at that. And we'll continue it again next week. And even if you know the story, you don't know the story. My heart goes out to them, to, and it always will, to this family. It's just unbelievable. And as always, thank y'all for everything. Thank you for listening and sharing Real Life Real Crime. Thank you for making us first runner-up to 2020's Best True Crime Podcast of the Year Award. Thank you, patron members, for your support. You're going to be getting your patron episode the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I'm not releasing anything next week except for a patron episode. And it doesn't have to do with monsters. This is it's another full-length episode as part of your patron benefits. And you'll be getting, of course, patron, you get this episode earlier than everybody else, commercial and unedited. All lifers, thank you. Thank you. I understand if you can't be a patron member, thank you for continuing to share and like us. Y'all, all our pages are blowing up. Go follow me on Instagram at, at Real Life Real Crime and at Overton Woody. Uh, check out all our social media. Check out our YouTube channel. It's grown phenomenally. All the episodes are on there. Previously pulled Who Murdered Courtney Coco is on there with video. So it's more like a movie. The Rapids Burning series, the same thing. It's not just the episode. And then we're adding more episodes. My wife's working on it all the time, putting more videos and, and interviews, et cetera, in the episodes. Don't forget, when Courtney Coco's case is solved, when the solved, it's already been solved, when the, after the arrests are made, we are going to release Don't Call It a Cold Case by Toby Tomplay and I, the new podcast. And it's going to be dealing strictly with Miss Barbara Blunt's case. So y'all keep continue calling you tips on that. 
in Lopa, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. Go to their website, take two minutes, sign up to be an organ donor, save a life. We have stories coming up that homicide victims were organ donors and there we we're going to have their family members on and they're going to be able to tell you who their organs went to and we'll also tell you about the horrible homicides that they were victims of etc so all that's coming anyway go to go to lupa.org sign up to be an organ donor and when they ask you how you heard about them go to livingston parish literacy and technology center criminal justice students that's how i heard about it check the box those kids are pushing for it such a great cause. It's also personally my cause. Real Life Real Crime has adopted LOPA, their nonprofit organization. I'm going to continue to every episode I ever do. I'm going to sign out talking about LOPA because if one person goes out there and signs up and by chance your organs get to be used, then you're saving lives. So I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Templey. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.